set among the salt marshes and towering out of the water in a vast open landscape. The greatest tourist attraction in all of France awaits. I recall not knowing what to expect and then pulling up to it in our rental car so many years ago. That moment will forever hold a place in my memory. It was one of the most incredible things I had seen with my own eyes. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on The Real Crime Podcast, we will be telling you all about the historical power held by the most beautiful Mont-Saint-Michel in the Normandy region of France. So if you've never seen Mont Saint-Michel or like heard of it, literally stop what you're doing. Driving down the highway, I don't care. Stop your car. Pull over. Middle of the highway. Middle of the highway. Don't even pull over. Google that pull, shit. Pull over. It, 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 it like definitely recognize the photos that you're looking at. Nothing in comparison to what it is in real life. Like absolutely nothing. It's really beautiful. I've oh not seen it in life, but it's insane in pictures. It's insane. Like it doesn't even seem real. It's actually been like inspiration for a lot of like fantasy stuff and everything as well. And actually in our last episode, we were talking about um, Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, Daniel Radcliffe is his Harry, actual name. Harry yeah. Potter. Okay. Okay. Cool. As long as that's fine. Um, so we were talking about Daniel Radcliffe in the movie, uh, The Woman in Black, where basically he like has to go onto this island and like you can only get to it and like the roadways flood and all this other stuff. That's Mont St. Michel. Like I guarantee you that there was some sort of inspiration there for sure. It's so weird that he couldn't just apparate to be there. Okay, because he's he's not, he's not Harry Potter. He's not. His name is Daniel Radcliffe. He's a man. Mm. A man. It's okay. He's we'll get a through wizard, this. Christina. He's, he's a wizard. <laughs> so Mont Saint-Michel is literally an island off the coast of the Normandy region of France. In fact, in its earliest days, there was no way of getting from the island to the mainland during high tide and you'd have to like sit and wait until low tide to walk out across the salt marshes now there is a foot traffic causeway that allows travelers to visit because like i was not going to be like stuck on an island but you've seen this island so i don't know why not that's fair that's super fair there's hotels for sure (laughs) no and there are hotels on it and this time we're staying in one of the hotels on Mont Saint Michel, so I'm for psyched. one night, or I think just one night. Yeah, careful of where you park your car because if you go too low, it'll be flooded. That's not true. There's a parking lot, and then you take a bus. There's multiple. Yeah, but some people drive their car down because they're too lazy to walk. Oh no, that's crazy. And then when the tide comes in, their cars get flooded. Well, that's really stupid. We're not going to do that. 
We're going to park our car in a nice, safe place. We're going to take the little bus and then we're going to walk across the causeway and then we're going to check into our charming little hotel and then we're going to look out into the salt marshes and wish we could live there forever and ever and ever. And that is all. Just kidding. That's not the episode. Okay. (laughs) Bye. So, right. (laughs) So the tiny island, it basically used to serve as a landmark, which would tell weary travelers that they were headed in the right direction. I guess whatever direction they were going in. And it was basically they named that uh, they named it Mont St. Michel or Mount St. Michael after St. Michael. It's believed that St. Michael actually himself appeared before some of these travelers and insisted that they build a church for him. And like, I literally need to figure out how to do that to just like apparate and like appear in front of people and be like, y'all should build a church for me. I think you have to die first and then become a saint. Worth it. Totally worth it. I'll figure out a way. I will. So a church was indeed built around 600 to 700, which is the year, not years ago, but that's the year, the year 600 to 700. And then BCE, 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 exactly. And then the area at the base of this church kind of began to build up as well. So the area was run by those who had worked in the art of religion, mostly monks, as well as farmers and fishermen. And the area is actually known, Kristen, you may want to cover your ears for this one. It's actually known for its lamb um, because they feed on the salt marshes. So they're essentially pre-seasoned. I did know that. When you cook them. It kind of sounds delicious, but I don't eat them. Right, exactly. And I don't partake either, ever, at all. I don't eat meat. I don't eat meat. And um, they also have, like, a pear liqueur there. Yum. That is so good. That I do imbibe. Calvados, I think. Is, Is it pear or is it apple? Now I can't remember. I feel like it's pear, but it's called Calvados, and it's ridiculously delicious. That's what I would like you to bring home for me. You got it. You got it. I'll bring home all the Calvados. I will also drink all of the Calvados while I'm there. Save me one. I don't. Don't you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. So it's basically this perfect little location. It kept it safe from attacks and, and groups attempting to infiltrate it. Even when the English attempted to conquer it multiple times, they failed. And this allowed the village built on the island to stay intact physically and historically. It's like it's it's literally walking into a medieval medieval town, which is so cool. So the whole of Mont Saint-Michel is said to represent the hierarchy. So on top, there's God. There's this church at the very top. And then the abbey and the monastery. So God's direct servants on earth. Below, the great halls, then stores and housing at the bottom. Outside the walls, the fishermen's and the farmers' housing. So basically, like, the working class is the bottom rung, and that really sucks. I <laughs> so, feel like, like the fishermen and the farmers should be at the top as right? they provide for like everyone. they're feeding the people who serve God. I mean, come on. You think the monks are fishing for themselves? Not a chance. So given how well protected the castle and the village would remain, it actually would be used as a prison during the Revolutionary War. This is the French Revolutionary War. And through the 1800s, it remained a prison, holding many religious prisoners, as the French revolutionaries didn't really trust the church. Can't imagine. Uh, It's (laughs) Right? It's so crazy. So 
it's definitely like the church in general has been used throughout history to kind of control the masses, those fishermen and farmers. So I can definitely understand why maybe they weren't on the top of the list. And when that church finally closed in the 1800s, it still housed like 650 prisoners. That's a lot of people because Mont Saint Michel's not that big. No, it's not. So during World War II, when this portion, the Normandy region of France, fell to Germany, the Germans actually used it as both a defensive post and kind of this little vacation spot because, you know, everybody loves vacay during war. So totally normal, mm -hmm. right? People just <laughs> popping over and being like, I'm going to send myself on Mont Saint-Michel in the salt marshes while people all around me die. Mm. So today, Mont Saint-Michel only has 29 permanent residents, but more than 3 million people visit it annually. It's incredibly peaceful and was actually used, speaking of inspiration in fantasy novels and movies, it was used as the inspiration for Minas Tirith in The Lord of the Ooh, Rings. That makes sense. Yeah, right? I mean, totally, totally. So there are a number of different legends and ghost stories connected to Mont Saint-Michel. Something doesn't get built in like 16 or 600 BC and then not have at least one ghost story to tell. I hate to say it. So a lot of ghosts can apparently be found actually in the waters and the marshes surrounding the island itself. It's actually said that during the Hundred Years' War, there were more than 2,000 English soldiers that were killed attempting to breach the island's defenses. In this, many of the souls were unable to pass on to the next world. And so on very quiet days in the evening, when the tides are calm, you can hear moaning and pain and despair from the below waves. So peaceful. I'm going to be sleeping next to a window and you better believe that I'm going to be like, where are you English soldiers? I want to hear you moan, which sounds dirty, but like, it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> for the best chance of encountering a ghost, you should actually probably just go straight up to the church at the top of the island. And I think they still do like some masses, but I can't recall. There's, there's a museum up there and a gift shop. Crazy, right? I know. Uh, up until the revolution, the island was mostly home to monks and religious devotees. So many monks died on the island itself, and they were obviously buried there, including in the walls of the church. So lots, lots of dead people still there. And it's, again, not a huge island. So they're really packing them in there. <laughs> so bones sticking out. I mean, of the walls. It's not the catacombs, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I it's been be a long time since they were buried. They think over time there'd be a bit of decay. Oh yeah, for sure. Structure. Yeah, yeah, something. I don't know. Cre creepy, super creepy. But I'm definitely gonna keep an eye out for like skulls and bones, just kind of like popping out of uh, stones and such. I'll do that. I'll do that. It's cool. So this was like. So pretty much normal practice at the time. Nobody thought anything of it. And then when revolution came, it kind of changed the island. Um, Mont Saint-Michel was partially desecrated by some of these revolutionary fighters. And the site, which was once a very holy and peaceful place, then switched over to that prison. 
So some claim that ghosts of many long dead monks were awoken during that disturbance, which would make sense because like when you're renovating a house, that's when spirits have a tendency yep. to like get restless. And, and so make now themselves known. Exactly. And they're like, hey, I'm here, here for the party. And now the monks are here for the party. And they're kind of pissed off that they got woke up, uh, woken up, I'm sure. And so many visitors are actually advised to stay away from any ghostly monk that they might encounter. Um, I don't know why, because I don't think monks are going to like inhabit you or anything, but who knows? Totally possible, right? Perhaps. Um, there's also a standing guard that's said to be very aggressive towards English people. So he was French and he was a medieval army officer and he's actually very feared by anyone who's seen him because he is so aggressive towards English speakers, which I find really interesting. He's like, must recognize the language and just gets pissed that they're there. Please poke him. Poke the bear. Poke the bear? Yeah. Who, who do I look like? The guy from uh, the show we hate? Why can't I think of his name right oh. now? <laughs> um. Oh, I can't either. Oh, man. I just dislike him so much. I, like, try to block him out every single... Zach. Zach. Yeah. Zach uh, Baggins. Baggins. There we go. Zach Baggins. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna Zach Baggins this ghost. And be like, come on, devil. Come at me. I swear to God, man. It's just the two of us. I'm I'll gonna turn all the you. lights off. I'll fight you. <laughs> Say something into my recording device, man. God, I hate that guy so much. <laughs> anyway. And one tell. day... <laughs> This, this episode plays for him, and he gets to hear my impression of him. Oh. I really do. So a lot of people basically say that this guy just, like, pops up out of nowhere, too, and then they, they run away, which, like, that's probably what I'll do. Like, if some old French medieval army dude just, like, pops up in front of me, probably going to run away screaming. Cause... I'd appreciate it if you didn't, and you stood there and recorded everything. I'm going to do my darndest. I really am. But it's cool. I take it back. That's what I want as my gift. Oh, God. All right. All right. So there is kind of a a fun fact here, if you will. Uh, And I I really enjoy this because it also ties in one of my favorite places uh, within France itself. So the Normandy region is along the coastline. And then there's the Loire Valley, which is south of France or south of Paris rather but not all the way down to the southern coast and when the news of basically this island's stand against the English reached a young peasant girl in the town of Orleans um, which is southwest of Paris the tide kind of turned against England in that hundred years war where all of those soldiers died that girl was Jeanne d'Arc or Joan of Arc and she was so inspired at the story of the resistance at Mont Saint-Michel that she actually would set out to help recapture France from England and from the English. Now, the first place on her pilgrimage for the church, because it was it was told by her that she had these visions directly from God and God had sent her out to spread the word and to fight off the English. The first place she traveled to on her pilgrimage was a town called Beaugency, which is like the greatest place on earth. You can go and visit the location where she slept that first night and stay at an abbey, which is directly next door to 
uh, the, the chateau that she stayed in while she was there. There's like a giant statue to her. It's a huge part of the history. That was also directly affected. That town was directly affected by World War II and the German soldier insurgency as well. In fact, the Loire River runs right along it. You could see it from the windows of the abbey. And there's a bridge that goes across it. That bridge was blown up so many times that you can actually see like the the demarcation lines where it was rebuilt. It's it's really cool. And on the opposite side of that river were like the English and French armies fighting back. And then on the Beaugency side was the German army fighting against. And it was literally just like they could watch each other from either side of the river. It's really quite fascinating. Mm. And... I love this piece of the story because Mont Saint-Michel and Beaugency were like two of my favorite places when we went. So the fact that they're so deeply tied together, I found really fascinating. Well, keep an eye out for some soldier ghosts when you're there. Soldier ghosts, Joan of Arc, people moaning, like hopefully not our neighbors in the hotel, like hopefully dead people are going to be the ones moaning. Monks, floating monks, I'm assuming they're going to be floating not using their little feet their little ghost feet keep me updated on that girl i will gonna just have my video camera going at all times use a gopro gopro oh see i should get a gopro there you go tape it to my head i don't think you have to yeah no i think it's a band i just realized that as the words (laughs) came out of my face i'm sorry i'm sorry all right so that is our very mini episode on mont saint michel and hopefully i'm there right now while you're listening to this although i don't know that i will be But either way, thanks for listening. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.